because I was waiting for mm. the cake. I didn't care about anything else. I wanted Gross. cake. Um, and then so the fu- cake finally come out. And I just I just chucked a massive wobbly. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is time for another episode of the Vibe Union podcast, episode 27. We're making it up as we go. You know what's up. I'm MQ. This is Rath. Hey! This is Jason. Hello. (laughs) And we are here from Vibe Union. Before we get anything rolling, of course, we are meeting, playing, loving, and living on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri people, also the Boomerang people, the Woiwurrung people here in lovely Travancore. Um, It is the land of the people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded, uh, and it is important to recognize that. Thank you, as always, for joining us in that recognition, that acknowledgement, and the respect that we would like to extend to Indigenous elders past, present, and emerging. And we hope for a harmonious future that we can all share in together. Guys, there's a lot been going on. We've got a lot of events. We've been putting on a lot of different things, different nights. And, you know, I think the three of us are pretty well poised to talk about ad nauseum, the kind of stuff that we've been putting on. But mm-hmm. I do want to kind of take it all the way back um, in terms of the events that kind of shaped us. And I want to understand, like, what are the things that we've each seen, that we've been to, that we've been privy to? And, like, you know, from pure consumer, just watching the spectacle all the way to, like, being a part of the organizing committee and, and making it happen. What are the events that you've seen that you really enjoyed and what inspiration did you take from them and what, what can the people listening and watching um, really take away and put into their own events? Well, nothing off the top. Come back to me. <laughs> what, what, what one have you got? Um, I was trying to think. Uh, I didn't, didn't go to a lot of events. Oh, yeah, um, not, not a lot going on in Tassie? Uh, yeah, that's a given. <laughs> um, I think uh, I remember... I remember going to an Angus and Julia Stone concert. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's very awkward because you can't do anything. You just stand there and listen because it's not mm. hyped. And yeah. I just had a woman behind me uh, very angry because she stood behind a tall person. Oh. And I'm like, I was here before you. And then she was so fucking <laughs> tall. Oh, I can't even fucking <laughs> see anything. I'm like, you, had, you could choose anywhere else in this <laughs> warehouse and you chose to stand behind me. Um, and so we're all sort of just standing there kind of, Swaying, trying mm. to, <laughs> trying to, like, right. it, was, it was good fun, but um, I was like, okay, uh, I know, I guess, I guess, um, if you go through poetry stuff, mm-hmm. um, I don't think I've, I mean, I've, I've told everyone, um, because I tell people everything more than once, <laughs> um, uh, the my first poetry thing I ever went to and performed, I was miserable at it. It was terrible. Mm. Like, you know, shaking, spoke too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really know what it was. And then, um, yeah, got, got better from there. I was like, okay, well, I don't want yeah. to feel like this when mm-hmm. I'm doing poetry. So I um, just worked worked on that. Mm. Um, and then I think actually starting with Vibe Union and doing my own gigs and coming to see mm-hmm. everyone. Um, uh, <laughs> um and sort of getting to know more about the hip hop scene because, cool. like I said, I talk to you guys, talk to Vibe Union, Vibe mm. Union about everything because I don't know. Um, I remember when I first joined Vibe Union, you asked me if I wanted to help 
like find venue, like promote stuff with. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know where to go. And I, <laughs> if they ask me one question, I go, I don't know. I'm like, well, it just ruins the whole reputation. Hold, please. Yeah, I was like, yeah. um, I'm just gonna put all the work onto <laughs> someone else. Um, so I think for me is yeah, seeing, um, but seeing a ton of performers come through like Liebert and mm. stuff, and just the 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 changing dichotomy that is always um, so always around. Um, vibe union so cool mm. yeah. um, I can't really say specifically one gig I think off the top of my head but I grew up um, in regional Victoria in a pretty artsy town bit of a hippie town there was a lot of live music and I spent a lot of time mm. as a kid hanging out the back of pubs when pub garden gigs was a huge thing that was like every Saturday every Friday Saturday Sunday there was stuff happening so hanging out there and seeing a lot of folk and a lot of blues and stuff like that and I just remember the level of community and the level of intimacy that mm. was so mm-hmm. present in those, especially in that time period. This was, I mean, <laughs> this was like 20 years ago now because I was mm. a kid. I was like seven years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, my parents were playing, but like everyone knew everyone and everyone felt comfortable. And so the there was less of a barrier between the performance with the performers in the audience. It all just felt like a really communal space. Mm. And then the other one that comes to mind is the polar opposite, opposite of that, which was seeing, um, I was going to say green day, but I'm, I'm going to steal yours. Seeing Muse, (laughs) (laughs) seeing Muse in concert. I won't say too much about it, except just like seeing the, the arena style gig done. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm. Like if you have an arena, you can't have that intimacy. No. And so you have to go well over the top. It is a spectacle, it is a show. And mm. um, however, those two have inspired me in such different ways mm. now. And I want to find the gap between those two, bridge that level of show mm. while also finding that community. Yeah. Cool. I Yeah, I really respect that. And I love that level of intimacy that you're talking about there because it definitely gives some insight into why Vibe Union events tend to have that in their DNA. Like I'm, I'm a big sucker for breaking the fourth wall as well in terms of how do you engage with the audience? How do you make it that, you know, I'll, I'll say this to pretty much every crowd, especially at Liebird, we're all part of the performance here. Every time you like your fork kind of slips on the plate, that's a part of the performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think by being able to break down that barrier and have people feel comfortable, we're getting more people on stage and sharing mm-hmm. in that. And then I love this idea of production value, you know, like as a, a staunch advocate, even a sycophant of Kanye West, <laughs> like, you know, the, yeah, yeah. The, the man had five different bejeweled masks that he wore across the span of a single hour and a half show. Yeah. yeah. Like this guy loves production. Mm. Um, so do I. And I, I do like to go for, you know, what is the sort of height of production that we can get? But let's kind of pair it all the way back. What is like the grandest or, or at least the most significant or memorable birthday party you remember under the age of 10? Like when you were under the age of 10, let's like, cause that was, that was, other than school plays, that was probably the only version of like a production being put on that we were really exposed to. Well, you're asking me to remember things from a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's tough. I remember jumping castles. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing streamers. <laughs> channel, channel. Yeah, it, channel but I it. don't know any more <laughs> right. details than that. I think I was dressed as a pirate. Yep. The, I think I'm. I think I. I can only put together every childhood birthday party All I ever one. went to yeah. and put it into one. <laughs> into memory. one. It's an yeah. amalgam. 
Yeah. Right? Okay, cool. But even that gives me some some useful info. I'm going I'm to feed <laughs> okay. off that in a sec. But Jason, what I, I have you got for I me? I never had a jumping castle. I want... Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I remember once... I, I, this, I don't think this is really relevant, but it's just talking about birthday. It was my birthday and uh, I was waiting for my friends to get there. But for some reason, my parents told them to get there at like 4 p.m. that day. And Instead so I was of... just oh, just earlier in the day. Oh, right, and I'm like, yeah. why can't they come at like lunchtime and we can just chill? Because we're going to have a sleepover. And um, I back those parents. Uh, I w- as yeah, much well, time, yes. as little yeah. time as possible for the kids to be over um, for the sleepover. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm an amazing son and I deserve everything um, when I ask. So I sat around all day mm. just looking at the clock uh-huh. going, it's my birthday and nothing's happening and yeah. that these people are coming. Yep. And, I'm like, and they're like, oh. I said, why can't they come earlier? Oh, no, it's fine. So, I mean, it's not... <laughs> More of a negative, me- well, negative memory, I guess. But uh, that's the only thing I can really remember. Birthdays. Sure. Okay. Great. Under ten. Yeah. You guys have given me all the ammo I need. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I do want to hit you with a birthday memory as well. I realize I do this where I'm hosting. I'm asking a question where I have a really good answer, and then I'll ask the question, and then I get good answers anyway. But a, a birthday party I particularly m- remember was was at McDonald's in Clifton Hill. Right. It was my mate. Angus's birthday. It was either Angus. No, it was Dean's birthday. Dean, yeah. And old mate Dean. How old were you in this? Uh, we're talking <laughs> five or six. How the fuck do you remember that? Kind I of remember shit? things. This is that's, the, that's I just remember, my brain. I remember things. How right? do so. you? How do you remember? So <laughs> yeah, right. Good point. Um, so okay, so it's a mixture of remembering and like having seen photos occasionally. My mom liked to, likes to bust out the photo albums and there's things like that. And I'll look at the picture and be like, oh yeah, I remember that guy's name. He was Dean. So, you know, it was a cool birthday party. There was a bright and colorful cake. It was at McDonald's, playpen, all that kind of jazz. And of course, you know, I, I think a particularly memorable part about that was my show stealing moment when it came to, it came time for Dean to blow out the candles. And I was like, Man, he's taking his sweet time with this. So I blew out the candles. Oh, my God. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. And he was really upset. And I had to be pulled aside. <laughs> and I had to be told, like, hey, man, even if he's struggling with it, like, it's his birthday. <laughs> and I was like, come on, man. Like, the show is failing. Like, the, the crowd is watching. And, and we're, you know, it's like Guitar Hero. And, you know, when you're doing really poorly and the crowd starts booing. Yeah. It, was yeah. Like, it felt like that to me. That, that, that's what was going on in my head. So I've always had this awareness of like, what is, the, what is the crowd dynamic here? You know, I look at something like that and I go like, that was the moment where this is it. This is the headline act is the kid blowing out the birthday candles at his birthday party. <laughs> We've all congregated in this room. I had to stop playing and eating my chips for this moment. Let's at least make it great. Actually, um, yes. speaking of stealing the show yes. at the birthday party. steal it. I, um, I just remembered... <laughs> It's someone else's birth. I think it was Dean's uh, birthday party <laughs> next year. Uh, Sweet so, um, Dean. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, no, I was at I can't. I was at a park somewhere, uh, and they're having. Sorry, a, just quickly, just for uh, for ki- parents who have kids called Dean for their for their sixth birthday party, should put up signs called Sweet Six Dean. Oh yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm done. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, Sorry to derail your story. Whatever. Um, <laughs> That was funny though. Uh, <laughs> um, no, yeah, so I was, I was at this party and when I was a kid, I was a terror. 
Surprise, surprise. Uh, What's changed? And, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I derailed the whole thing because uh, at the time, still now, like, I'm not a huge fan of like, whipped cream, cream and all that kind of stuff. I was a mm-hmm. bit lactose intolerant when I was a kid and I hated sponge cake. Okay. And so yeah, the right. cake that, that they brought out was a sponge cake Oof. filled with cream. Yeah. Oh, no. and, I would have wa- walked away. And, I wouldn't have oh, it. I didn't walk away. I chucked a massive tantrum. <laughs> oh man! I mean, this is okay. an un- so this is also undiagnosed autism and uh, sure. unable to regulate emotions. So I just go, I'm yeah. going to be angry because I'm not getting the cake for someone else's birthday. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be told, wow, it's not cool. your because I was waiting for the mm. cake. I didn't care about anything else. I wanted cake. Um, and then so the fu- cake finally come out. And <laughs> I just I just chucked a massive wobbly, <laughs> and my, I think my mate to sort of. It's like it's not your birthday. I'm like I don't care. It's cake. You yeah. would have, you would have been screaming what we're all thinking. I would have been. Yeah. Um, sponge cake can fuck off. <laughs> I think it might have just been one of those old school woolly ones, you know, with the cream and jam. Oh. I mean, you know, oh, what a waste of time. Yeah, you get you, you got to get one of those mud cake ones. Yeah, mm. that kid must be so depressed now. Yeah, poor Dean. Um, <laughs> sweet, sweet Dean. Dean, if you're watching, by the way, man, yeah, if there's like, any Dean, connect my dude. If there's um, if there's any other Deans, um, put in the comments. Like uh. the Dean of my story was so upset. I imagine he also remembers or <laughs> very heavily drinks to forget. It was a traumatizing day for Dean. He can't, he can't um, light any candles ever again. Yeah. <laughs> People start giving him joke candles. <laughs> Every year on his cake, so he just can't blow them out. Oh, no, he, gets, he gets the um the candles with like a light in it, so it looks like uh, looks like a flame. So he's yep. like, no, no one can blow these out. These are mine, <laughs> or just sparklers because oh, you can't blow them out. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So traumatizing kids. Cool. So coming back to production value, <laughs> these birthday parties, and the reason that I wanted to ask this was because. In theory, we kind of sort of should have forgotten these things, right? But there are bits and pieces that stand out. There are things that stick with us. In your case, it was the fun element. There was a bouncy castle. There were colors. Mm. There was like brightly colored cakes. What did you say? You said bouncy castle and something else. And then you said pirate costume. Streamers. Streamers, right? So bright and sparkly, lots of color, lots of light and, and energy and movement. Right, it sounds like yeah. uh, wrath to a T. No, I was going to so- say like I, this. This is uh, I don't. I remember. I'm remembering photos. I'm not yeah. remembering my sure. time, which would have been me huddled in the corner going, "There's <laughs> too many people. I, I want to go, go home." Sure, but a lot of that also does describe a Muse concert in terms of all that energy and color mm-hmm. and light, mm-hmm. um, lots of sound, and then costume. So you remember the pirate costume again? Maybe that was from photos, but the yeah. bit that sticks with you when prompted. And entirely unsolicited. <laughs> Again, we do not rehearse or prepare any of this stuff. Can you tell? Yeah, I was about to say, can you tell? Um, but I wanted to conjure that up because, like, what are the things that stick with us? It's like, oh, those people were wearing, like, cool costumes. Oh, those people were, like, there was a lot of color. There was a lot of light. There was this particular, like, novel element. The bit that, like, really stuck out for you as a negative. Mm. So for you to then detract away from this party, even if it was your own, is what bugged you. A lack of attendance, poor adherence to time. It didn't make sense what the timings were. And I guess like the reason I'm saying all this is like, let's, let's start building a bank of like the things that work and don't work for gigs and for events. Because let's pull it a little bit forward. Like what are then events as an adult that you've gone to, whether it's, yeah, a concert, whether it's uh, a small intimate, like mm. poetry reading. What was, what was the first time that you went to a poetry reading as just a punter? 
What was that like for you, Jason? Um, ooh, I didn't go to. I haven't been to a lot. Well, obviously not recently. Um, it was different. Uh, no, the first one I sort of went to was when I got here, and it was the worst thing. It was just run by the. It was run by the same people, and they want to keep it. They wanted to keep it to their own thing. Right. I um, actually no, I did perform, but it was I had to wait three and a half hours to do a two Ooh. and a half minute poem. Um, wow. But then, like before that, it was just like um, uh, just tiring sitting there and just mm-hmm. hearing people. And you say, okay, cool. The feature was some bush poet from the eighties who was clearly. Um, had a, a alcohol dependency issues mm. um, and they were just rolling him out and he was just like, I just want to just read my poems and have another drink really. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. So it's sort of, I mean, I've been to a couple others. Um, I think it's, it comes down to who's hosting mm-hmm. and what, um, and, and who's, who's performing on stage uh, and um, sort of what they want to give back to the crowd. Because yep. Um, I mean, I was just thinking when you're talking about production value. When I was at Falls Festival in Marion Bay, mm-hmm. uh, the New Year's gig was going to be done by the Flaming Lips, right? And because mm. they took the better act, to, they brought it to uh, Melbourne, and everyone's like, "Who the hell is Flaming Lips?" Like, mm-hmm. uh, and everyone's like, "Oh, whatever." But it was amazing. They had got you know those um, those blow up balls you can stand in. Yeah, they had yeah. a ton of them. Yeah, yeah. People running. Like on the stage, just yeah. running into the crowd. So yeah. they were literally crowd surfing. Yeah, um, they had nice. a bunch of people on the side of the stage just in animal onesies uh-huh. dancing. Um, 20 sec. apparently I was further back, but a, a friend of mine was right at the front and um, the countdown was happening like 15 seconds or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the, the sound just cut out. Um, <laughs> and then, no. uh, and so they just like, Fuck it. They just kept playing, kept dancing, kept everything. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, everyone was like, okay. We, and then it came back on. They just went going. They were like, oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, music cut out for some reason. Uh, but let's just keep it going. And it was just everyone didn't care that they'd never heard of Flaming Lips before, never heard yeah. any of their songs. I can't remember any of their songs that I heard, but I remember yep. random people in gyro, what are the gyro balls, whatever. They, I don't know what yeah. they're called. Um, and then a bunch of people in onesies dancing. Amazing. So, it was just off, yeah, off the show. Production mm-hmm. value. So it's yeah, it's it's that level of commitment to fun, to just engaging the audience, giving them a spectacle, yeah. right? Um, and that can take any any number of forms. Uh, I you know thinking about a particularly inspiring gig for me, like one of the gigs that again sort of brought me out of my shell. Like I talk heavily about hip hop karaoke, and that really put me on stage as a rapper. But when I you know, I kind of hit this point where I wasn't working out for uni, wasn't working out for jobs and stuff, and I decided to move to Vietnam. I kind of just scoured like all the pages of the expats and the community and everything of like what's going on, what's happening. And there was a thing that was like calling all storytellers. Uh, we're putting on a story slam, Hanoi's very first story slam. And I was like, this seems cool. Dropped him a line and was like, look, I'm moving to Vietnam. I'm trying to like get out there more as a person and meet new people. Uh, this would be a, you know, this scenes, this sounds interesting, but I've never done anything like this before. What do I need to do? And he was like, the guy got back to me, Joss, Joss Barrett, sweet dude, gorgeous human being, like really leading a part of that community in a great way. Um, he gets back to me and said, you know, that's actually great that you haven't done it before. We're trying to like do things a little bit differently. It's not like a poetry slam. It's not like, you know, there's not really much rules. There's just a time limit. There's a theme get up and tell a story. And we just, we don't want you to read from a, a script. So tell it based on how it feels. 
And the theme was fear because it was going to be held on Halloween. So there I am on my third night in Vietnam. Like it's Halloween. People are all dressed up. I dressed up as Kanye, which was, you know, of (laughs) course, because he's scary. So terrifying. (laughs) And, um, And yeah, and I went and told a story that was, you know, part humorous and part interesting and just being a part of this lineup of different people. You know, there was another guy from Australia, but he was from Brisbane. There was an American lady. There was, you know, people from all over the world because they were all just congregated there, all sharing their stories. And, you know, finding this commonality was really powerful. But again, it was like in this small, intimate bar and the stage wasn't really the stage. It was just sort of a cleared out space at one corner and just felt really real and wholesome. And even that in and of itself and just getting to meet some people off the back of it, like walking off stage and a couple of people being like, that was really cool. Um, where do you hang out in Hanoi? And I'm like, I don't, this is the spot, this is it. And getting to connect with people like that was pretty powerful. And then another time they had an act in between that just played like the XX covers, but on cello and vocals. And it was like stunning. It was so beautiful how they did that. And um, yeah, and just experiences like that were really, really powerful and helped me realize like, these are not big, massive productions. These are not, you know, this company charging this many dollars. Like it was free entry and then optional donation for a charity and all the money just goes straight to that charity. And just seeing that there was just pure joy in putting on this event, having these like prizes that like the bar would put on as like top, you know, top story gets a bottle of wine or something like that was really powerful for me. And so, yeah, I just wanted to really shout out that gig. And and what's ended up sticking with me is that same sense of um, kind of breaking the barrier between artist and audience and just realizing that whoever is on the stage, yeah, they're taking that moment, but that doesn't make them better or bigger or larger or anything like that than anyone else. Um, So that was quite powerful for me. So, um, have there been experiences like that? Like, I really like that Flaming Lips story. Like, Rai, what about for mm. yourself? What have you experienced kind of in that vein, good or bad? Yeah, I've got, um, I think, a comparison to make between two different gigs. Not one in, but yeah, regardless. So, hanging out in central Victoria when I was still doing, like, blues uh, and, like, hard rock kind of stuff. And we started doing gigs at uh, lots of local pubs at mm. Bendigo and stuff like that. And... <clears throat> The the setup of the night would be obviously just there was maybe two or three bands on the lineup. They'd all get up, they'd do their thing, they'd get mm. off stage, and there would be no MC'd. There would be no there'd be no real chatter either with the um, audience. It was it felt so it almost felt like they didn't really want to be there. It felt like there was no um, no hand. Uh, extended to the audience to try and bring them into the into the experience at all, um, and also being in country Victoria, there was always a bit of a um, bit of a din- dingy vibe to these pubs. And then to go, uh, however, also there's very few people in the room. I think that's the main thing is that there's a band on stage and there's like maybe ten people in the audience. And at that point, it's like I you can't not um, interact with these people. They are the only ones there and you need to make this a more intimate setting. And so to take this to a very, very different experience as I went to... This is this is probably the, one of the most um, important uh, experiences of my life as a performer because it was the first time I ever rapped to anyone in my life. 
um, outside of, I think maybe my girlfriend at the time had maybe heard me, but I had tried to not show her <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> this is definitely the first time I ever did it live. Um, and I went to Afro Hub, which was a community hub for the African community in the Brunswick area. And they had a, they had a, um, just an open stage, open mic night, um, maybe mm. once a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I went to one of these and there was like 10 people there, maybe like 15 people there. And uh, we were the only two uh, white people there. Mm. And they immediately drew attention to it, which completely put me at ease, funnily enough. They actually, right. the first question I got once we were into the room, we got greeted by the people at the door. But the first question I got um, was like, Man, how's it feel to be the minority here tonight? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird, but it's kind of, it's, it, it's interesting and it's an experience for tonight. Mm-hmm. And um, once we kind of broke down these there was no real barrier yeah and so any perceived barrier that you could have walked in with was immediately broken down by just addressing the fact that like look at these and and as white as they come as well like (laughs) coming into this space and so we're sitting down and it just basically feels like an open floor there is an Mm -hmm. mc a comedian but he's just kind of chilling out and then just like points to points to us and say what do you guys do and my girlfriend at the Mm -hmm. time said like oh i play cello and i said i'm a rapper and they Excellent. You're up. I had no intention of getting up. Yeah, they just wow. say, well, if you say that you're a rapper, then you have to rap right now in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> Prove like, it. Oh, yeah. God. All right. And so I found the beats on my phone and I did it and they were just so supportive and so mm-hmm. excited that I just did it. Um, and that was that was the moment. That was a real important moment and solidified my brain that like these kind of experiences. I love the. Sh- I love being. I love doing the show. Yeah. I love the production value. I love going that extra mile. But I've been to gigs where, I, where I've been. There's a wall between me and the audience, mm-hmm. or rather, mm-hmm. me as the audience between me and the performer. Yeah. And some of those shows are incredible, like the Muse show. I remember particular sites. I don't remember anything about what they did. Yeah. I remember things about the set. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Green Day. I remember seeing some cool set pieces and a bit of fire and stuff like that. But mm. in terms of what they did, nothing really in particular. Yeah. I've seen so many gigs like that. But that gig where there was 10 people I didn't know in this small little community center and we just, that that was locked into my brain as like one of the mm-hmm. most important moments of my life so far of wow. like what performance is capable of is bridging these gaps between a bunch of people who have no connection to each other outside of that room. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, by the way, would you like a like a date? I will. After I'm going to... Easy done. Uh, Yeah, part of my quick absence was just breaking my fast, eating for the first time today. It was great. I'm very grateful for the fact that I do get to eat, that it gets to be a choice on most days. Um, All right, so I guess coming a little bit to a close, um, thinking about the kinds of gigs that we've had, the experiences that we've had at them, and what has stuck with us. I guess like what are the things that for anyone wanting to put on a gig out there, if you're wanting to plan a gig, put something on for the people, what what would you guys recommend they need to incorporate? Um, for my for my experience now with like the Vibe Union stuff, is I, I have to always reference that because that's the, ma- the majority of gigs I've been to over the last mm-hmm. six months. You're also contractually um, n- obligated to not mention any other okay, gigs cool. here. Um, uh, there's another group called Union Vibes. Um, <laughs> uh, I, um, but... I think having that, like an open mic at the end kind of thing, was something huge, huge. Um, that people were. I mean, we, we did it. Went to the uh, what was the market called? 
seed of life. Yep. And um, we opened it up for uh, <laughs> so just a, a, a boom bap beat, and uh, we some random middle-aged man came up and did whatever he did. Um, old white man, old dirty bastard yeah. style stuff. <laughs> and he just went up there and just was in his own element. And then we had a couple other, uh, uh, had a uh, lady come up, she just sort of sang something. Mm-hmm. Um, what up, Christina? That was great. Uh, so yeah, it's sort of a, um, if anyone put it on gigs, you kind of want to have that, um, I say I said before, you want to have that environment where it's, we, we need you, you don't need us. Mm. Um, yes. Nice. Otherwise, Brilliant. it's just going to be, oh, well, I went there, but I just there was just people there and then they took our money and then we left. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, okay, I want to make a point about this because uh, coming from the, and this isn't all garage rock bands, it's not all punk bands, it's not anything like that, but I think the culture is a bit different. I mean, you still find it in hip-hop as well, but like, no, yeah, I guess because I'm just interacting with you guys primarily at the moment, so I, I, I'm so on the other side of this now. But the attitude of like, oh, I've done the work and I'm the artist, so I'm here on stage to perform, mm. and you better fucking lock your eyes in and pay attention. And then when no crowd shows up and there's and it's a slow turnout and you just keep thinking, like, why am I a rock star yet? It's like, that's probably it. I think 98% of the time the audience is more interested in the performer than the actual art itself. Mm-hmm. So you can, unless you're like phenomenally good and you should aim to be phenomenally good because when you combine the two, then you've got, then you are, will be a rock star. I don't think there's really much stopping you at that point, but you, the the actual, the, the experience goes, I think the experience is like the music is almost like 20% for me. And mm-hmm. then every other aspect, every, every other part of it is is the real experience and the stuff that solidifies in my brain. I don't remember what, what tracks I did that night at mm-hmm. that community center. I remember, I don't remember the jokes told by the MC. I don't remember mm. the names of, of anyone who I met that night. I just remember this feeling in the room of like i am with these people right now right here mm-hmm. and i think um opening the stage up with the open mic like what you're talking about is mm. so powerful because it means like oh we, we've done what we can do but we really want to see what you can do because yeah. that because we're on the same we're on the same level here um another one is emceeing properly <laughs> emceeing <laughs> to tell the crowd what's happening, to encourage the crowd to get involved, to just make them feel relaxed. Make sure you're also getting feedback from them mm-hmm. because like, it's not just guiding them but finding out what they want, what they're, where they're heading next um, and complementing that with groundwork. Be on the ground in between sets, be on mm. the ground at the start of a show talking to people. It's so funny that I'm talking about all this because I don't do it because <laughs> I'm the socially awkward motherfucker who runs the sound. Mm-hmm. But thank God for MQ and Dilly Dave. <laughs> um, and you guys are in the crowd talking to people, hitting up their Instagrams, liking, commenting, greeting them mm. at the door, saying goodbye to them when they leave. Mm. That was such a nice moment last night at Talking Blue. Everyone, there was a group of people leaving and... Um, Beverly who's one of the poets who comes through at Talking Blue all the time and she said goodbye quite loudly and we all turned and said goodbye waved to them as they oh, left the true. door yeah, yeah. I was like that's out of everything last night besides your poem because that was like next fucking level <laughs> that was my standout moment yeah um that moment of them walking out the door and the entire audience going see you later we can't wait to see you next time I was like that's yeah that's everything I, that we're can, that is mm-hmm. everything we're all about. I can safely say I've never seen that at a poetry thing. Yeah. People 
leaving and mm-hmm. everyone I mean yeah um, and everyone just going see you next week bye mm-hmm. and everyone going yeah we'll, we will mm-hmm. um those are small things. Hmm. It's small things to do that, to, to say goodbye, say hello, to just talk to people in the audience, to MC properly on stage. Um, yeah, small things, but just makes memorable nights. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Nice. Well, because I think everyone wants to leave a gig going, I, I'm glad, like if it's a paid gig, like I'm got, I got something for my money. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing uh, comedian Bill Bailey. He came, to, he came to Hobart. Yeah. And, you know, obviously comedians have a set. It's like anyone has a set. But he went up Mount Wellington and saw a photo or something. So he incorporated local Tassie Hobart stuff mm. into it. He had a segment there. So I'm, yeah. I'm assuming even when he's writing it, he goes, add local yeah, stuff yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. But he went up. I, 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 remember, I remember this from the, um, from the set. He went up, it was a photo, and the, the um, aspect was really weird. So one woman standing up there looked massive because she was a lot closer to the camera. Mm-hmm. And so he was like... Um, just making a joke of how she's a giant and this little, and I remember mm-hmm. that, and I was like, well, yeah, he he took an extra effort to incorporate lo- uh, lo- locality, local stuff, mm-hmm. um, which I think sort of um, it's the same kind of thing as an open mic and mm-hmm. um, MCing, probably having everyone. Um, I think um, comedians talk about this a lot more because I think um, music, you have a set. And you can kind of do the same set every night. And obviously there are comedians who do this. And um, not being a comedian myself, I can't really speak on it, but just like listening to lots of interviews with comedians talking about it. Like it seems to be the fact that you have to win over that crowd every single time. You have to earn mm, every yeah. single laugh. Yeah. If you are a huge name and you go up on stage and you don't get, if you don't make them laugh, like you've, you've just fallen over, you've failed. But yeah. like... I think to bomb as a musician is a lot harder. Yeah. It's a lot harder. You can you can play... If you can just... Especially... Mm, nah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> With hip-hop especially. Mm. Like, you, if you've got backing track and stuff like that, you can the just like... Play you know what? I'm just going yeah. to hype it. And everyone's yeah. like, well, you know, we came here for the hype. So yeah. we're, we're into it still. But if you bomb as a, as a comedian, like... Yeah. you got to work every single... Uh, second on stage mm-hmm. I think that's really important and so I've heard them talk a lot more about that about like you have to make a connection to them so find out their town find out their weird things like mm. this little town called Castlemaine why is why do people think there's a there's a puma roaming around there was definitely <laughs> a puma I know every small town has a big cat story but yeah ours was a puma and um, amazing yeah, I remember. I remember like some comedians would come through bigger names, like well, Lena, Lena Woodley. I remember came through at one point, and um, did they? No, I don't think so. I think I made that up. I saw somebody. <laughs> some, you could have said anyone. We so, like, I know, okay, right? Cool. Some big Australian name came through, mm. and I remember them talking about the Puma. And I was like, <laughs> dumb Puma. And that's all. <laughs> that, now I'm on their side. Now yeah. they've got me. That's all. Yeah. Took. Nice. What about you, Juice? You've been sitting here silently watching. What can you tell the people at home about uh, putting on a gig that they need to do? What's, what does every gig need to have to be a success in your eyes? Uh, I really think every gig needs to have that element of surprise. Like, um, not so much an organized gig uh, where people know the date, uh, the venue, sorry, uh, before maybe like have a, just announced you're going to have a secret location. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the day that it's happening, after people have expressed their interest in coming, you just let them know the location it's gonna be at and you never have it at the same location. I think if artists do that every once in a while, have a pop-up show here and there, showcase their new singles and stuff, 
I think that'd be really cool. It'd be really important because, yeah, it'd give people a different flavor. They don't have to, they're not thinking about buying a ticket. They just, the people who are lucky enough to see a post about an upcoming pop-up show mm-hmm. and like to, and got a chance to get an invite to it. So I think that'd be really cool. Interesting. Uh, great contribution from Juice, a.k.a. the element of surprise. Um, yeah, that, that's actually really kick-ass, man. You not only surprise, well, giving it to you was a surprise, but uh, but that was a great uh, great thing. So watch out for the next Vibe Union pop-up surprise show. The date is a secret. The venue is a secret. The lineup is a secret. To all of us. Right. Uh, but, uh, but hit the like button, hit the subscribe button to get all the details and be the first in the note. Uh, share it with five friends and we'll give you a date. Um, all right. So I guess I wanted to kind of bring things home a little bit around, especially the emceeing thing and, and sort of bringing community together, breaking down that barrier and having that closeness with people. And I think the word here, like as much as it is overplayed, the word is actually inclusivity or inclusion. And it has a lot to do with either you as a personality or your act as a personality, having the space to do it. So some of the acts that you're talking about where, you know, they're, they're a two-piece band or really like size doesn't matter, but they feel like they're established. We have every detail from top to bottom sorted. There is no more room in this set. Like yeah. if people feel that, like you were saying before, if people have paid their money, they want to know that they got what they came mm-hmm. for. I feel like the inverse is true when it's free. When it's a free gig, I actually think people want to know that they made a mark on what they went and saw for free. That's a good point, actually, yeah. If you go and see a busker, part of the appeal of putting money in that busker's hat, like, yeah, cool, I got some good music, you're great. But actually part of what compels us to put money in that hat is like, I made a difference to this guy's Mm. thing today. Mm. I helped this person. I helped them grow or whatever it is. So when it's a free gig, and that's more or less what we're doing, and what I'm sure a lot of you are doing as well, is if you're going to have a free event, find a way to make everyone feel like they contributed because that's what actually builds the, con- uh, the community, that's what builds that collaborative nature. And more importantly, like, we'll help endear you. That, that's how you're going to have fans. That's how you're going to have people that want to keep rocking up. We have people coming to our shows, um, again, like Saskia and Ash, who were kind of our first, like, came to one show and decided to stick with us since. Mm. I like Ash actually contributed to our set at Landback Fest because mm. I was running around like a madman during chaos and just poking the microphone in people's faces for break off. Chaos policy is chaos. Break off. And I put that mic in front of Ash and Ash said, break off. And it was like perhaps that moment or among many, but it was that feeling that like, cool, we gave something like mm-hmm. we're a part of this now. And to do that is not easy. Like it's not just something because we see this and we've we've you know I, I feel like we've criticized to high heaven the people who are just like when I say hip you say hop hip hop. hip no and it's <laughs> exactly and you get a whole bunch I'm of that happening that. and it's not a lot of fun it's not a lot of fun as a spectator unless you can sense that the performance has the space for it. Mm. Are they doing it and are they outward, right? And I'm, as, I'm, as I'm saying this to you in the camera, I'm, I'm opening myself up. You need to feel like there is that space as an audience member for you to want to contribute to help fill it. 
If it's just someone going very, you know, not making any eye contact, just saying the words, when I say hip, you say hop. The holding the microphone out is the least that that person can do, but the audience doesn't feel that connection. They don't mm -hmm. feel like that space is there. So it is very much then about the bigness of one's personality and an MC, a good, powerful MC that's able to show that they have space in their own personality and in, the, in their own being to incorporate more. That is an MC that's gonna guide your event well. That is a host that's gonna do it well. I've seen hosts at events in Melbourne that literally will be like, all right, our next act is such and such. Come on up, introduce yourself. Like, damn, that MC barely has space for themselves, let alone the next act who is their collaborator for this show. So I think kind of to sum up everything we've talked about today, we've mentioned how the production value needs to be there mm. to, to make it memorable, do the novel things, do things that are exciting, that are next level, that take us out of the ordinary. We don't walk down the street and see jumping castles. So if you're gonna have a jumping castle, go ahead and do it. <laughs> it depends what you want. Unless you're like out at Port Melbourne on the right day of the year, like you're not gonna see people in pirate costumes. You're not gonna see people in like steampunk outfits and things on the right days. Uh, I think that's Jake trying to get in. Um, so really, so really up that up that production value and make sure you have it. And then the last sort of big feature is the inclusion. Mm. Are you actually including people in uh, into your gig? Because if it's a free gig, especially, there's not really much else you can get from people. But if you can make it known that you want their contributions, that the event is better and stronger for people's contribution and inclusion, then people are going to be more willing to give that up and make it be a good time. Jason, closing thoughts. Um, oh, just the talking about the production value is do it to the best of your ability, what you yeah. can afford, what you can manage. Because uh -huh. um, I think, yeah, so like, oh, you need good production value. Like, oh, well, yeah. well, I'm not going to put anything on because I don't have yeah. I don't have the lights, I don't have, I'm like, you do May the best. Do, yeah. I mean, I said, I've said it before, the best I could do recording during lockdown was a, a DSLR camera with a $60 mic. Yep. Um, sitting on my bed with uh, uh, a big purple blanket over me. Mm -hmm. That was the best I could do recording because I yep. couldn't go anywhere. Um, I mean, it wasn't perfect and you, you get such better sound quality recording at a proper booth in a studio. Yeah. But um, so production value, the best of your ability, mm. um, I think is important because you can just be like, this is what I put as much as effort I could into this. Yeah. And I think that that shows as well. Yeah. And that's absolutely. that inclusivity as well, I think. So. Yeah. No, really good point. Like, for example, when we play at Liebird Lounge, we have uh, tinsel, pink, yep. gold, and pink behind us. That's $6 worth of tinsel <laughs> curtains, and it immediately makes a difference. So that's the ticket. Thank you, Juice, for checking out whether or not we had hit record on this. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, I think that just about wraps us up. Yep. Thank you so much once again for paying attention, for sticking with us, for tuning in. Hopefully you got some insights. If you want to drop below your tips for events, shows, gigs, that you have really enjoyed and particular standout elements that you think make a gig a true success. We'd love to hear about that from you. So yeah, otherwise that's it for today. Yep. I've been MQ, we've got Wrath, we've got Jason, we've got Juice. Peace out. See ya. <laughs>